Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Star Sound Speaks. This is your host, Irliana Samsara from Star Sound Astrology. We are so delighted because Ari Moshe Wolf is back, heart and soul centered astrology. Hello, welcome back, Ari. Irliana, good to be here. Great to see you again. You always give me such hope and it calms me because we go to such heights with the work that you're doing with evolutionary astrology is just um it's such a healing balm for the times we're in so just wanted to share that with you thank you before we get started i want to just uh share with everybody uh, i don't know if you if you haven't been to ari's website it's arimoshewolf.com let me just share you the screen because he's got a very exciting program here it's a complete training program and it it's really awesome he's got weekly you go at your own pace they're recorded videos, but then you have office hours with Ari. So wherever, whatever level you're working at, he will meet you there. So I love that. I think this is brilliant, Ari. Great, great contribution to the community. So you can come, people can come and join anytime. There's no set date, right? That's right. Yeah. And the office hours begin in March. So if you join, you'll have some time before that begins as well. Awesome. So in this video, we're going to cover Pluto through all 12 signs and what that yes. would look like in terms of our soul's evolution. So get ready, grab your paper and pen or thumb, you know, <laughs> Gen Z. We're going to get into some deep stuff here. Before we do, we're just going to address what's happening right now. So right now we have, as we speak, you know, the sun is conjoined Pluto in a Kazemi, which means it's, it's Pluto and the sun are aligned. Pluto is being refined by the by the fires of the sun. It's getting like cleansed and reprogrammed. And that is going to happen. But what's so interesting is that it's not only happening at this karmic degree, end of an era, but it's also moving into zero Aquarius. So I just wonder if you could just take a few minutes to what that represents for you. What year do you say was the last year that this happened? The last time this happened where the sun was conjunct Pluto at 29 degrees, 59 minutes was 551 AD. Interesting. Um, I want to find the date, but I recall, if I'm not mistaken, that century was, according to Sri Yukteswar, the the very sort of the the apex like the the, the very bottom of the kali yuga oh. which is like the dark age yeah, yeah right and then we began moving up the arc and then we actually entered the the next age um during the renaissance you know okay. or a thousand years later but that was sort of like the height of the dark ages according to the you know twenty four thousand year cycle be cool to find out when that date was according to his counting Unfortunately, I didn't find it. Something about the breaking up of the Roman Empire into East and West Roman Empire happening around that time. That gives me hope to say that, well, that was the bottom of the Dark Age. And so we're technically on the way up. Is do I am I understanding you correctly? Oh, yeah, sure. Like within the within the in that whole cosmology, there's a 24,000 year cycle with two arcs of 12,000 years downward and then 12,000 years upward. And so uh, according to most counts, and I follow mostly Shriyuk Tessuars, that's where I learned this from, um, we're, we're in the up, so we're in that 12,000 year up cycle, but we only began that up cycle at around 500 something, um, mm. you know, BCE or however you say it, um, like 1500 years ago. Okay. And then we, <clears throat> within those up cycles, there are different ages. Right. So using the Greek, there's the, the Bronze Age, uh, uh, or 
Iron Age, Silver Age, Golden Age, right? So we're coming from the iron and now we're currently in the bronze and the next is silver and the next is gold. And it's it's a good, you know, another 10,000 years until we reach the, the height of the golden age. So just imagine the arc of human evolution that we've yet to see. And we're only just getting started. I mean, I, that's, a, that's an Aquarius topic we can go on forever. Sure. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, fascinating stuff. All right, so yeah, the, the whole movement from 29, 59 to zero. Oh, just to say, in case anyone's not familiar with who Sri Yukteswar is, he was Yogananda's guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, who wrote Autobiography of a Yogi, of course, one of the great saints of the 20th century, both of them. So there's that in case people are, need to know that. And then the other thing is that 29 degrees of, but a different minute of Capricorn, where the sun was in this Kazemi, that happened at other critical points in history. One of them was 1532, which is when Henry VIII was told that you cannot marry that girl, Anne Boleyn. And he's like, thank you for sharing. And he started his own his own church, this breakdown where the Catholic Church had been so enmeshed in religion and government were were enmeshed. And of course, there was this big upheaval, this huge paradigm shift that said, okay, it, there's the end of that. So I, 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 we see this in the collective, you know, with government systems and all that have been long breaking down. I don't know if I, if you saw this in the news, but there is a woman who was, she was just elected. She's the, the youngest MP in New Zealand in 170 years. This is so like Pluto 29 Capricorn. In her inaugural speech the other day, she's, she's Maori. And she gave her speech and she did a haka, you know, you, you ever see those people that, that it's a war cry with the tribes. And usually it's like men and and, they, and there's, oh, oh, you know, and their hand movement in their eyes and there is all this incredible energy transmission. And she gave that and because she's really standing for resurrecting and preserving the ancient in, in indigenous cultures and languages. This is a really big thing uh, about her. And so I just thought, wow, that's what a moment, you know, and what that speaks to. Anyway, all right, I want to hear from you. <laughs> Enough from me. So it's culminative. It's very much, it's so descriptive. <clears throat> the fact that the sun won't, I mean, Pluto will go back into Capricorn for a little bit later this year. But the fact that Pluto and the sun are joining now, the sun energizes and gives life and creative force. So it's sort of just elicitive of such a sense of completion. Capricorn does induce this deep sense of reflection, um, contemplation, what am I creating? What am I building? What's going on long-term? But when we transition into Aquarius, it, we don't plan for it. There's no introspection in Aquarius. There's no um, conditioning. We're not developing habits. We're not disciplining ourselves. Aquarius is the unconditioned. And I think this really highlights for us personally and collectively <clears throat> how there is always going to be a paradigm shift truly beyond the dualities and the construct we're just so familiar with. Um, any part of our life, you take any category or dimension of our, of our human life, there's the things that we know, the paths that we know. And I think this is highlighting this imminent sense of this is going to have to change. This is definitely going to have to change. And that might be hard. <clears throat> there might be a deep sense of, I don't want it to change or, you know, really, especially with Mars right now in Capricorn, 
there can be the sense of I failed, I didn't make it work, or this is not happening the way I wanted to, or the way I thought it should be, or I'm not where I want to be. We fail to recognize that our planning and our efforts to grow and evolve and succeed <clears throat> and make things work are coming from our personal story of how we think things are supposed to go in the first place. You know, it's like try practicing uh, guitar in a, in a room where there's you know no acoustics and you you the heat's on really high and you you have nowhere to sit. It's just this trying to grow and evolve and develop our creativity, but being very much limited and confined by these boxes that we just assume are a part of the program. So I think Capricorn is saying there's so much more that is uh, Aquarius is is saying there's so much more yet to unfold. And you can't understand that because you know not how conditioned you are. So it might feel like we're letting something go, um, bringing something to an end. And that, and in, in various ways, that can be met with a lot of grief and strife and confusion. And, you know, not to say you mentioned Saturn. And, you know, in the rulership that I work with, Saturn's a ruler of Capricorn. Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. So they're both activated because we have that transitional point. Saturn's in Pisces, balsamic to Neptune, completing with Neptune. So there's so much, there's so much ending. There's so much closure over these next couple of years. It's very palpable in the chart, in the transits. So that's, that's a basic reflection on this transition. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Saturn is balsamic to Neptune. So the Kazemi opportunity, this reprogramming and realizations, and then how it goes into Aquarius now, of course, Pluto is going to be there for the next month. So before we get into all the 12 houses of the Zodiac, I just wanted to say that, you know, that that critical zero degree is where it's like the movie trailer. We're going to get a sense of the entire potential of how this can play out, the good, the bad, and the ugly for the next it's 20 years in this sign. So what would you recommend that we reflect on at that zero degree? Hmm. Well, let's note that it's moving the quickest that it moves right that that joining with the sun is is the most charged and active and quick so pluto never covers a lot of ground but when it does cover ground it'll you know move through a degree quicker so it's going to spend maybe a month or so in at, at zero but it's moving quickly so i think you can sort of apply this leonian energy to it it's engaged, it's visceral, it's it's alive, it's it's just active. It's not like hovering like it does when it stations. Right? It's like when it stations, it's brooding, it's like, hmm, let's go here. It's it's like I'm here and I got things to do, right? So it's it's more engaging and there's a lot of activity. And of course it's gonna go back to that zero point two more times after this one. So it's initiating something completely new. It's starting us off. It's very clear with the transits that there's a lot of energy, a lot of activity and a lot of new movement. And it's very, very unclear. I mean, I can't, I can't really emphasize enough how uh, those two statements, it's very palpably a new experience. Um, and there can be a sense of terror or fear with that because we're looking at everything we've known and we're so afraid of what might happen. We're so afraid of what's going to go bad, what's going to, and we could interpret the dream symbols and the archetypes and just kind of say, oh, it's, we just need to make sure we're keeping our mind clear 
in terms of like what is it inviting of us i don't know for me i'm always i'm always renewing i stray for a bit and then come back as i think we all do renewing my devotion to what's most important mm-hmm. and pluto always points to and this is what we'll look at when we look at the, at it through the houses this will be fun pluto always points to the nature of desire and we have to understand like pluto is not just intensity or death or ever it's like what is this what does that mean like what's that really about we're always going to face our deepest psychological limitations where we're holding on because if i let go i won't have fundamental security and in that same sense where we believe i need something right there's there's such a strong craving and aversion quality to pluto but underneath that is a greater dimension of our eternal soul power we're learning to ground ourselves in a power in a security that doesn't come or go that's what pluto's all about but it's all about elimination even if we're like I'm going to do something new and become an astrologer or quit my job and, you know, travel the world. Even if there's like this liberating realization of, oh, there's a lot more space in this world for me than I realized. Um, And we just kind of break out of the guilt or the shame or the fear of the conditioning from Capricorn. Even so, um, it's still an elimination process because every experience is going to come and it's going to teach us something, interact with us, and then it's going to go. It's a constant evolutionary process of finding out what's fundamentally inside. So I think renewing and reconnecting with who am I? Like, what am I really all about? Like, what's really true and of essence for me when all that other conditioning and confusion, like, what's, and I'll say this one last point we all have our vibration. Like, Aquarius is our unique vibration. And accessing that vibration isn't like an intellectual thing. It's not, you know, it's not a thing you figure out or you don't get told by it by someone. It's just your vibration. So it's a matter of not conflicting it, not contradicting your own vibration by adding a whole lot of conditioning to it. So there's something about getting connected to our own vibration and not being afraid of that because it may not be what we thought. our beingness moving and dancing through this world may not look um, and the forms may not be what we thought, but this is calling us to just explore it more, trust it more. Nice. Yeah. And, and the part about, I'm just taking this from, from a Jeffrey Wolf's green, Jeffrey Wolf green's book, a Pluto evolutionary journey of the soul. So if anybody's interested, this is, this is a, one of the big source works, source uh, source code that um, that Ari works with in, in his soul, heart and soul centered astrology. Um, but anyway, what I love what Jeff says about this, the polarity point being Leo, the evolutionary intent for Pluto and Aquarius is one wherein the individual must learn how to take charge of his or her own destiny. They must learn how to implement ideas about themselves, about that which they see as possible for their lives, the goals they want to accomplish and ideas pertaining to future possibilities. And the other thing I like here is when he says the current evolutionary intent is teaching people to translate ideas, their ideas into action by again, taking charge of their own destiny. This is a very strong point that he makes and shape it along the lines that these thoughts are suggesting to them in order to do this, we have to learn to minimize our security needs and patterns of depending on others to tell them what it is or that it is okay to do whatever it is they want to do. 
Right. So they, and therein lies like you said earlier, the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So the attachments of Pluto and Aquarius, we'll see, has a lot to do with peer group. Um, if I am myself, will I belong? Will I fit into my relationship, family, job, community, church, organization, you know, golf club? Uh, it's always about the contrast between my vibration and how we suppress it because we don't want to find out um, that we're different or that we don't belong or things will fall apart. But this is where with that liberating impulse, when we're not concerned, when we're willing to let go Pluto of any external dependency on belonging on what other people think of us, then we can just be true to our own. And so that's that polarity point. I'm true to my own vibration. I'm proud of what I am. I'm embodying, claiming the uniqueness of my personal beingness instead of just trying to belong or fit into something outside of myself. Yeah, and I, I think in, in um, finishing up that, that thought, because I do want to move into the houses, is it's interesting to see that over this course of time in the next 20 years, the whole idea of, you know, Pluto will route out if you're not in the right tribe, if you're not living authentically, it's going to show us that. And it could be that we change tribes, whether that's political tribe or religious or cultural or whatever, spiritual tribe, you know, that it's it's about, you know, it, it's the wrecking ball that's going to show us that shadow of where we have not been authentic and mm -hmm. living that and having our tribe represent and support our uniqueness. That That's just what comes up for me. So That's beautiful. I will even add to that thinking about you know saturn and uranus they're in the last quarter phase they'll be closing in on each other over the next several years i would say there's even this this dimension of i don't even know what my tribe is anymore right because all of the there's this tribe there's that tribe there's that ideology there's that political group it's all getting mixed up what was liberal might actually be more conservative and what was conservative might be more liberal and it's hard to judge what's what or who's who. Um, I think there's a natural mixing up of all of the sects and ideologies and groups that we form that say, this isn't what I stand for. Like that, that becomes, it's so funny because that becomes its own accidental crystallization and it becomes Capricorn again. Right. Capricorn right. Is, a, is a master and it's meant to be about crystallization and structure and de definition and the rules because you got to cross the light and make sure you're not going to get hit by a car and all of that. Um, and discipline. But Aquarius easily becomes that the moment we say, this is who I, I define myself by this group. Well, that's no, there's no longer any freedom in that. Right. So there's that there's that movement right now of maybe people being disorganized and kind of confused and bewildered. It's like, what, where do I belong and who belongs with me? Because we have to look inside and start starting there, not yeah. looking for the right meetup group to join necessarily. I know meetup right. group is like very outdated, but you get the idea. Right. <laughs> the cosmic meetup group. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, okay. Um, Pluto in Aquarius through the houses, first house. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Yeah, and let's let's make this conversational and see what arises. Okay. So I'll okay. I'll give a couple introductory remarks. Okay. Um, so like I personally work with a porphyry house system. Um, others might work with a whole sign. So for for those that are doing whole sign, great. You know, this is going to be very direct. 
Yeah, we'll make it easy. And, what's that? Well, make, makes it easy. <laughs> makes it easy, right? So we got that, but let's say you don't. Let's say you're like myself and you know you have, um, let's say a Capricorn rising, 26 mm -hmm. degrees Capricorn rising, um, and but then Pluto is already in your first house, but now it's entering Aquarius. So we're going to be acknowledging um, that transitional energy. Pluto can be in Aquarius in your first house, even if that house or in any house, even if it's ruled by a different, the prior sign. So I want to say as, as a starting point, some of us might actually have houses that begin at zero Aquarius, uh, you know, except for those who are doing whole sign, all of them do. For most of us in non whole sign or orientations, Pluto is going to be moving into a sign that starts with Capricorn. Like for me, my fifth house begins at 20 degrees Capricorn. Pluto is still in my fifth house, but moving into Aquarius. So from that perspective, we're looking at a transitional energy. The house itself being defined by Capricorn is going to say this is a, an area of life that is bringing forth discipline, definition, thoughtfulness. We're growing and developing ourselves over time. That's implicit to whatever is happening with Capricorn, right? But the movement into Aquarius says now we're needing to liberate and break out of the conditioning and the structures that are simply not necessary for truly what we're here to do. So there can be that sense of stress and anxiety. Right? And for everyone, Pluto in Aquarius is coming, objectively speaking, after everyone's Capricorn. So that sense of anxiety, um, I am to look upon whatever whatever house this is with new lens mm. i am to look at it not according to what i've known and it's not negating or denying i'm not i'm not throwing my business out of the window right i'm still branding and marketing myself pluto uh, you know capricorn in the fifth but aquarius but there's a new way to do it there's a way to do it that allows you to embrace the capricorn discipline dimension and the work you're here to do but without um, without pushing down and sublimating your individuality. So right. there's a looking at it, looking at it. And I'll give an example for myself just because it's here. So we're, we're going to start this on the fifth house. OK, that's cool. That's where we're starting because that's where my mind is. Okay. Um, um, it's a circle. <laughs> so exactly. for all of you that are patterns in Pisces is nonlinear. We'll have to time signature too. Uh, so um, <laughs> You know, I, I have my training program and it's my fourth year doing this. And all of a sudden, a friend of mine um, from Israel, um, Mira, she um, offered to work with me. And she took my training program landing page and completely upgraded it. And it was an Aquarian experience. Like I couldn't have done what she did. It wasn't within my mind. I didn't have thoughts for it. And, and at first it was uncomfortable. And then I looked at it and the more I looked at it, the more I felt, Oh, this is, this just clarified everything, you know, so all the things that I've known just got clarified. And, and so it took me out of the box of the security of how I presented myself. And it says, what is it like to present yourself, to actualize yourself according to your unique nature and the teaching that I would offer with Aquarius fifth house is you can't 
self-actualize and look at yourself at the same time. If there's too much self-consciousness about it, then there isn't freedom to just experience by the seat of your pants something new that you've never done. Will people like it? Now, this is helpful as I'm saying it out loud. Will people like it? Will they be responsive to it? Am I going to get off, you know, will people follow it? That energy is fundamentally incompatibly with the necessary, incompatible with the necessary objectivity needed to just create. That experience of creation um, has to be free and complete and release in each moment. And then the fruits of that will be just experiencing where the next moment takes us and whoever comes and whoever, right? But to, to be overly concerned with how it looks is to impede upon and suppress the freedom that's needed here. So I would say Aquarius in the fifth house is about freeing one's creative essence and liberating from the old boxes of how I've known myself to actualize and express my own creativity. When we look through this, we have to address the two Pluto dimensions that are necessary. Because what I just spoke about is Pluto, you know, is Aquarius fifth house in general. Pluto is going to point to our deepest fears, our deepest fears, our deepest attachments, what we're afraid of, what we don't want to let go of. What we don't want to let go of, yeah. And so this can be a sense of I'm, I don't want to make myself different. There can be an, an, an understanding of this in everyone's chart. I would say, look at your needle Uranus and also transiting Uranus to really understand what's that liberation impulse that's really emerging and opening up right now. Which is really exciting this year because with the yeah. confluence of Jupiter and Uranus, the Uranus being like Ari was saying, the modern ruler of Aquarius, Saturn is the traditional ruler. Um, but that confluence, it's it's building already, but we'll really feel it end of end of March. But April twentieth is mm. it's funny, isn't it? Funny? Four twenty, you know, the the universe has oh, a yeah. it's a there cosmic you know. joke. At <laughs> least if you're not living in Australia, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's four twenty one for them, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So anyway, all right. So that's Aquarius. Um, it, yeah, that's the Aquarian energy in Pluto in the fifth. Yeah, so the core attachment is I don't want to be different. Fifth house Aquarius Pluto. I don't want to be embarrassed. Everyone's gonna, or I, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be an outsider here. Um, I'm gonna be so different, and no one's gonna like me. Um, all of those energetics that correspond to the vulnerability and the fear of really being seen, and so that Pluto Aquarius Fifth House is stand in your own vibration. Let what comes to come. Let what goes go, and just walk that path. See where it takes you. Yeah, I love it. Would you yeah. add anything to that? Yeah, I'm just I'm uh, I'm ruminating with this, um, the, especially the part about not um, like your tribe, you, you know, your tribe will either get you or won't get you. And I think with having Pluto having left Capricorn, we're looking at the, you know, the structures of our tribe or fa our family dynamics and our roots and then, you know, rolling over, passing the baton into this conversation. Um, yeah, I, I just feel it's there's a great liberation that's going to be um, coming, especially especially I think when Uranus and Taurus, I mean Jupiter and Uranus meet up, this liberating idea about the the values that are important to me and how that will impact, you know, fifth house matters, children, creativity, um, our our love and romance, you know, what are we in love with, and and um, 
you know, on a conceptual basis, not just the per people who we love, but um, what are we having a love affair with? <laughs> this is just, I'm just riffing here, but, um, but I feel there's a lot of, um, once we get to move through that shadow part and we have this cathartic, it will bring cathartic, you know, often explosive realizations around our mind, around the ways we think, right? Air sign Aquarius. But um, once we do that, I think there's treasures. Like Pluto is also not just showing the shadow, but the treasures that are available to us underneath once we get past the fear of letting go. So yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> that, that brings up for me also the courage to just completely reinvent oneself, do something new. Yeah, um, radically, you know, radically reinvent, right? Yeah, like, you know, there's this creative calling that I've had, and this is what I want to give my attention to. Outside the box. And, and it's like, I don't know where it's going to go. And it's like, yes, you're not, you don't know where it's going to go. You know? And there's no rule book or playbook. Like yeah, never with Aquarius, no rule book, none. No rule book, baby. This this art house of yours, you know, and, and if you're looking at um, that, it could be if you're using whole sign houses, that would be Libra rising, this, this conversation. Oh. But yes, um, very, very powerful. So, okay, what about six? You want to do six house? Can we? Do you want sure. to do linear now? <laughs> yeah, or we, or we can, uh, we can, we can find an aspect pattern. We can, we can follow the pattern of the septile. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, six house. Okay. Um, six house corresponds to areas of self improvement, and we're always refining and developing ourselves and cultivating more mastery over whatever we're doing and cultivating and grooming every day, even if it's like doing the dishes. And the issue is that can become a depressing rut of just boredom, busy work, the paperwork, the dishes, the things you do, the body, the tasks, the chores, um, discipline and routine and practice, even spiritual practice, all of that can become too conditioned where we just sort of feel literally like internally enslaved. In fact, a lot of souls with Capricorn in the sixth house might have some history in, in any kind of work or service or actual slavery or enslaved environment where they have to just continually work hard and maybe developing a lot of strength and skill and capacity, but there's so much harshness and a sense of I'm going to be punished or I'm not good enough. I have to work harder to be better. All this heaviness. So Pluto and Aquarius comes along and brings up our attachment and our guilt and our shame and our fear and our perfectionism and says, you have to be willing to let go of that and find a new way. There's a better, simpler, clearer, more evolved and more intelligent way to do your work in the world, to take care of your body, to wash the dishes. You know, um, when I was a little boy and I'm making this up, um, my father yelled at me and said, this is how you do the dishes. So we had this ingrained pattern. And whenever I do the dishes, I make sure I do it just right. And then it's like this little infliction, right? Inflection, just to shift our mind a little bit away from that and realize I don't have to do it that way. And suddenly you realize a completely different system that's actually better. Right, it's, it's not better. based on it's asking the, so it's um, like, the okay. approval of others either. And it's like, yeah, you know, it yeah. doesn't matter whether you like this new way or not, it's, it's me authentically. Yeah, you know, the shift from Capricorn to Aquarius is I don't care what the boss says, right? Or or that external projection of authority that we're so consumed by. Aquarius right. is always going to show is, is higher intelligence. 
the intelligence is going to say when I'm thinking at a higher level of consciousness, I see new possibilities. So whenever we have an Aquarian experience, it's always going to say when we let go of our Pluto attachments and our, our fixations, we're going to see possibilities that literally didn't exist in, in our reality until that moment. So it's new systems, new ways of organizing, new ways of eating and health and diet and practice and just everything. And then like you were saying before, like we, we come into tribe, we'll find communities of people that are talking about these systems or these health practices that I'm like, oh my God, this is the thing I want to do and learn and practice. And it just makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's interesting um, because this house does rule employees, like being an employee or having employees in the workplace, one's daily work as well as like what Ari was saying about the, the routine, like washing the dishes. Um, and it also, it's funny because in ancient astrology, they used to say that this house was, it ruled slavery because, you know, back then people had slaves. So this is, I would say, I would call this, this is the emancipation proclamation. Oh, it's well said. Beautiful. Where it occurs. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Emancipation proclamation. So now if we go to the seventh house, then talking about emancipation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let oh, there's a, that's juicy. <laughs> I don't have to be who I think you think I want me to be. Um, everything that I've agreed upon, the precedent, the structures of relationship that are conditioned by the gender and social norms, or just like what it's supposed to be, how it's supposed to look. You know what I'm saying? Like all of the conditioning that we're just so familiar with says intimacy and the meeting with another person is just beyond that. Like the present meeting of another is just beyond all of the, this is how it should be. So of course there can be many extensions, you know, Capricorn seventh house, uh, Aquarius seventh house can be, let's say you're an existing partnership. There's a complete radicalization of that partnership where the mind opens to recognize the, the, the nature of relationship isn't dependent upon a form. It's dependent upon the mutuality of two souls sharing and, and meeting and, and shared agency. And they get to decide and choose what the forms are, but they're not defined by the forms. That again, opens up all kinds of possibilities that you can't really see when it's like, I need you to do this for me. I actually had a cool dream where I was told Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, Seinfeld was yeah. the person in the dream, which is very odd to me. Um, what does he represent for you? I don't know. I, I mean, I have to watch some Seinfeld episodes and see what George represents. I mean, he was an interesting guy, but he just says in the dream, um, the most radical form or expression of relationship is one where neither takes responsibility for the other person's feelings. For the other person's feelings, you said? Feelings, yeah. And it's kind wow. of the opposite of what we often think. Like, oh, you're having a bad day. What can I do for you? Right? And we think if we, we have to absorb the other person's feelings or, or in the general codependency model, um, they're not pleased with me or I don't, the way they're feeling about what I'm doing is bothering me and I have to deal with it. It's either a, a conversation to have or I have to change myself. But what if I'm not responsible for your feelings and you can have feelings? Oh. <laughs> How liberating would that what, be? How, if we can just do that. So um, that's freedom because it says, I just respect your journey and what you're feeling has nothing to do with what we're choosing to create and do. 
they're two different things that have their own, they can be both dealt with and experienced and explored in different ways. And that's a radical new be paradigm being introduced, life-changing for how we relate to others, how yeah. our, the, the very nature of relationships and what it means to be in a relationship. It's just yeah. all getting so radically upended from the past. So much so. And it's, well, it's helpful to appreciate that like when we look through the houses, there's a natural like aspect pattern in all of these combinations. So, you know, Capricorn seventh house is a natural Libra Capricorn square. And, and that square sort of um, elicits that sense of tension between um, all the things that we've learned about how it's supposed to be in regards to relationships, right? So then Aquarius is a trine. It's, it's, it's saying it's, there's more freedom there, it's more possibility here. Yeah. Especially, I'm thinking about the Pluto and Libra generation, which is around, what, 1970, was it? 60 and 70? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The early yeah. 80s. Yeah. yeah. The, that early, that the early... Um, Late 60s, early 80s, I think, yeah. Early Pluto and Libra, yeah, will be very much impacted. All right. Yeah. What about 8th house? Okay. Now, let's skip the 8th house. Let's not do that today. Oh, okay. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> right. Whoa, the 8th house. <laughs> um. There are some people with the, with the Aquarius in the eighth house that just need to know because um, everything's falling apart right now. Um, so eighth house is the house that corresponds to fundamental permeating change. We get divorced and we get married. What that symbolizes is how we come into relationship with experience in order to osmose from that experience more self-knowledge. We, we merge and, and, and unify with people, place things, experience, objects, desires, goals, whatever, in order to become someone new on the other end. And the point is becoming someone new. It's DNA. It's transmutational. I do not want to be the same person on the other end of that. And so the issue within the eighth house can be the psychology of entrapment. Entrapment is I have lost my soul to the thing that I've committed to. I've lost my soul to um, the work or the job or the purpose that I've defined or the relationship. And instead of growing and forming intimacy with my own eternal being, I'm stuck in a dependency on this external object focus. And so it can show up in whatever areas of life this is showing up, but it fundamentally says, this is about staying grounded and true to our own vibration, our own essence, regardless of the comings and goings. So what can be happening with this is there can be a strong sense of something being taken away from me right now, right? Or receiving a lot of projections or a perception of persecution or a loss or, you know, horrible, difficult endings, strong feelings of victimization. And then it's all pointing to where we've invested our own security and belonging in the external world. And relative to Capricorn, perhaps there's a strong sense of um, this is how it is. This is, I'm defined by this. Right. This is the way it's been right, done. This is the way it's been done. And let me find the right word for this. There's an underlying sense of guilt or shame that says, well, I, I, deserve, I fundamentally deserve, like, I have to, I can't get what I want anyway, or I deserve this, or it's, 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 com it's inherently complex. Um, I have to hold on to my, See, Capricorn will keep us in the struggle because of our judgments. You did that to me, and I'm, I'm going to do that to you. 
um, you deserve punishment. You took this from me. I agreed, but you betrayed my trust. Like all of these like deeper, right? Whether it's p personal or like in a larger social sense, Aquarius says you can let go of that and let go of the fighting, let go of the judgment, let go of the struggle, let go of all, all of the tension and the pain and just be true to who you are. Allow what comes to come and allow what goes to go. Uh, to see, this is a Ramana Maharshi quote, see what remains when we stop interfering with the unfolding. The Capricorn would have a say, but but I, I, I'm so committed to this person, I can't let them go. Or I work so hard for this business, I can't believe I'm being undermined right now. Or my, you know, my, my boss just fired me, I can't. Pluto says, that was experience. Now this moment's a new one. And to be able to let go without the guilt or the shame or the holding on or the, it shouldn't be this way and to really allow it all to be inside. Okay, all of this anger and, and fear or judgment or control or feeling really small or sublimated and controlled, all of that is happening inside of myself. I don't need to engage in the world. And so when we free ourselves up from the entanglement, it actually gives us more energy to realize more power and to say one day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something completely different. You know, I'm going to take out a loan and start my own business or, you know, I'm going to experience some, a completely new dimension of freedom in my life that isn't dependent upon the fact of everything changing. Hmm. Yeah, it's a whole new mindset about um, when I think about eighth house shared resources, when you said about taking out a loan, it can be it can on a mundane level, it can rule, you know, loans, debts, and it's also not just physical debt, but it's like soul, a soul debt of what we owe people or what they owe us. So there's this whole radical reimagining and a whole mindset that is, is a metamorphosis from deeply, you know, from the inside out, you know. Right. Yeah, and similar to that seventh house dynamic, it's like we could have a trend, a total transformation of existing marriages or relationship structures where it becomes about a true meeting of souls, like a true intimacy. Um, and there's a willingness to face greater discomfort, right? And that might mean the changing of the form, or it just might mean relationships move to a completely new dimension of intimacy and possibility. Because there, there's more capacity, more space now to really, to really be seen, to really let it all go. Yeah, we think about Aquarius being an air sign, and it is. It's so much of it has to do with space, and and our mind, and cultivating a like opening our minds and giving ourselves that permission. And like Jeffrey was saying, you know, you don't need the permission of someone else. It's just right. you know realizing that. So and, and another thought that arises on that too, just thinking of the Leo second house polarity. Mm -hmm. If you think of just like the idea of deeper spiritual relational practice and how you know we kind of we face our our, our attachments and our fears of betrayal our fears of loss and you know queries can be the subconscious memory of being suddenly left behind or being betrayed being left right so it's almost like trauma. that that yeah. exactly yeah abandonment trauma and then being the one who abandons as well because of that protection and fear that second house leo is about I have to keep my heart open and, and be solid in my own being um, because that otherwise I actually recreate that abandonment trauma. Mm. Even if it's not happening, the strength of that projection creates it. I experience it. So it's drawing us back to be stable, 
to love our own life and not grab on so much. And that's sort of the paradox. That's how we can feel and experience deeper intimacy too. I love it. Yeah. Eighth house intimacy. Yeah. Beautiful. The shared resources where we merge with the cosmic infinite and where we're afraid to and what, what that looks like when we transform that we go beyond that fear and let go, just let go. Oh my God, Pluto, please. 